Wagga Bugga, White Man Fur. It's the podcast where we read a page of the book and then we talk about it. This is page 704. Who lives two days off? They say she never turns a man away if he can fiddle a bit or mum a play. We hope to come off with a penny or two. Things were better when we had the bear, one of the younger men said. Folk will pay to see a bear bait. Went sick of a dog bite, the other man explained to me. Died near a year ago. That's a shame, I said. Bear's hard to come by. They nodded a silent agreement. I've got a new song for you. What will you trade me for it? He eyed me warily. Well, now, new to you isn't exactly new to us, he pointed out. And a new song ain't necessarily a good song, if you know what I mean. Judge for yourself, I said as I uncased my lute. I'd written it to be easy to remember and simple to sing, but I still had to repeat it twice before he caught all of it. As I said, they weren't at a marae. A good enough song, he admitted grudgingly. Everyone likes Felurian, but I don't know what we can trade you for it. The young boy piped up. I made up a verse to Tinker Tanner. The others tried to hush him, but I smiled. I'd love to hear it. The boy puffed himself up and sang out in a piping voice. I once saw a fair farmer's daughter on a riverbank far from all men. She was taking a bath when I saw her. Said she didn't feel right if a man caught a sight, so she soaked herself slowly all over again. I laughed. That's good. I complimented him. But how about this? I once saw a fair farmer's daughter on the riverbank far from all men. She confessed to me once when I caught her that she didn't feel clean if her bathing was seen, so she washed herself over again. The boy thought about it. I like mine better, he said after a moment's consideration. I patted him on the back. It's a good man that sticks to his own verse. I turned back to the leader of the little troop. Any gossip? That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Quoth's a bit of a snob. <laughs> but he's also, like, a better, like, Quoth's verse is musically better. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying he's a snob. <laughs> How? I mean, I was about to say he's being really gracious and magnanimous in this scene. Oh, yeah. As a, like, his person to person, um, he's being a snob in his head alone. Like, he, he's not being a snob out loud. Does that count? I don't think that anyone else would think he's a snob, but as a reader, we see his thoughts and thus can judge him for them, which is part of our joy. I think he's being a bit of a coach. I think he's being a bit of a coach. Like, I think I think he knows, and we are supposed to know without being told, that he is superior to these folks. Because I said yesterday, these are like no, little better than hucksters, right? They just sort of like get by with whatever they had. They had a bear that they let die of a dog bite. And that was like their main way of entertaining people. Um, they're not particularly great at, at songwriting. This kid is like trying his best. They're clearly like an odd found family, right? But Quoth is being a bit of a coach, you know, he's passing on his song basically for nothing. Um, and that, you know, in addition to that will definitely help Quoth out to spread the song, but that's something new that they'll have in their repertoire. And then he's trying to also like give him some, some, some songwriting points. I, I don't mind this. I don't think of it well, as being Well, the only part that, that I see as being snobbish is gracious. when he says, as I've said, they were at Enamora. It's like, you didn't need to rub that in. We read that the first time. Thank you. But he always says that. He, yeah, and of course he would. And in fact, you know what, Jordana? That's the one point where I think I might agree with you because the guy picks up the song after Quoth repeats it only twice, which I probably couldn't do. So... I think that's still pretty good. Yeah, that's the only part where I feel like he's being snobby. I don't think his other actions make him snobby, but that does. I, I guess it doesn't read as all that snobby to me because we already know that Quoth 
is just never going to think of anybody as being a good as good a performer as the Adima Ra, and we have good reason to think that he's right. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it's such a common thing for him to say that stuff. That even that. Wait, wait, wait. So just because is, it happens a lot, it's not snobby. The... Well, it's it's just like <laughs> okay, it's not. It's, well, it, it it's it's not an unusual amount of snobbiness. And like I don't know, I feel like to me, uh, snobbiness that is like earned is is somehow less egregious. Like if you actually are better, then I don't think it's so bad to be a snob. But also, I think his treatment of these characters throughout the scene is remarkably magnanimous. It's the same way that like, if you're a really famous actor and you are like interacting with, you know, the day players on your TV set, if you just treat them like they're other actors and you treat them, you know, we are all equal performers. We are here to do the same job and you're not being a dick because you're rich and famous. Like that is the kind of vibe that Cloth is giving off here to me. Reasonable. I wonder at the technical purpose of this scene, uh, as I said, on the next page, we will get a new diegetic verse of the lackless or a lackless rhyme, which probably has some important clues in it because we haven't seen this one before. Um, and so it's interesting to me that we get this this trade of verse word for word. I don't even know that we ever get a full verse of Tinker Tanner before. Or if we do, you know, it's not often enough that we that it matters. Like, I don't know that we know the meter of Tinker Tanner as well as this until now like we get it twice in short succession so we we understand like oh this is what a verse of tinker tanner is supposed to sound like so something is going on here technically i think where rothfuss is like setting up this exchange where first we get a couple of verses of our song word for word that aren't that important so that when we do get the song verse word for word that is important it isn't uh shocking yeah it's like oh it's just another passage of song back and forth. yeah that might be the case. I do feel like we've seen this verse construction of Tinker Tanner before, but I'm damned if I can tell you exactly when. It also calls to mind the construction of a limerick, uh, like two longer lines, two shorter lines, and then a longer line to conclude it that rhymes with the with the first longer lines. It's like not quite the same because these verses are six lines and a limerick is only five, but it is still close enough that I think it's somewhat intentional which gives us a sense of like what Tinker Tanner's whole deal is. I also wonder if this sequence with these characters is meant to contrast later on when Quoth meets the false Rutrup. I was thinking that too. Right. This is how Quoth treats like other performers who aren't Ru. And this is how Quoth treats other performers who aren't jerks to him, like that uh, fiddle player at the Penny's Worth. These people are friendly. He's perfectly willing to be friendly to them in return. And he's willing to, not only is he willing to state up front that he's not their competition because he's going in a different direction, but he's also willing to like help them out and give them some new material because they're not jerks to him. So we're getting a lot, a, a good sense for like what other kinds of performers there are in the world and how he interacts with them versus and and like this is also different from like the class of entertainment that you get at like the aeolian this is like these are not in the same caliber of performer and they're not performing for the same kinds of audiences i don't think you would do bear baiting at the aeolian you know what i mean yeah well that's what Kvo says at the end of this chapter no self-respecting or at the end of this section no self-respecting troop would ever stoop to bear baiting these guys are really down on their luck and they're really you know they're not they're not much yeah good. I think we are supposed to find the idea of bear baiting uh, kind of disturbing. And I think that Quoth is being polite by 
he's keeping the peace by saying, you know, oh, yeah, that's a shame. Reasonable. All right. This is from Bill, who writes through our Discord server on Felurian and page 659. When Felurian tackles Quoth to escape whatever monster is above them in the darkness, I wonder if Felurian isn't actually making Quoth part Fey when she takes his breath. His heart stops. She kills him and then brings him back with her breath. The ground resonates below him as if recognizing him, and whatever menace that was above them no longer seems to be concerned. It sounds more than a bit like a rebirth for Quoth. When Quoth returns to the real world, he is now a little fey around the edges, as described by others, and I wonder if that's because he is now literally a bit more fey rather than just having a fey air about him. And what if this is why Felurian laughs at the end of it all? She has her own little secret of what she's done to Quoth. Thoughts? Many thanks as always. All that's good, signed Bill. I feel like this this feels like something we've read before. Like I'm having a like a nostalgia moment. What is that called? Deja vu. There we go. <laughs> that is called deja vu. I mean, are you having that because we talked about what exactly was happening when Valerian sucks the breath out of him? I have no idea. I have no idea why I have that feeling. It just it simply exists in my brain. But also, wait, I'm confused. Is the argument that instead of being turned more fey by Florian sucking the breath out of him, he dies and then is reborn there, and that is what I, makes him more fey because he was like reborn in fey. Yeah, I kind of like the idea that he's. Yeah, I like the idea that he's had some kind of like fey injected into him. I don't know that I buy that he's been like killed, but I do buy that like in order to save him from this thing, Florian has to like imbue him with with some feyishness in a in a real way, so that the thing recognizes him as as part of the environment and not uh, an interloper. So that, that makes sense to me. And that also helps to reconcile the whole, like, Oh, he's got Faye in him now. Look at his eyes. He's a real Faye creature lad. Oh, he's so as the barmaids say. Very well. I, uh, All right. Yeah, that's it. I have no more things. No one has any more things. So let it be settled. Yep. I have something. I want to make a recommendation. For free? Not on the Patreon? My God. I watched a great movie called RRR. It's on Netflix. It's a South, a- uh, South Indian movie. Um, and it's a uh, incredibly bombastic uh, action movie with one of the most thrilling dance numbers I've ever seen put to screen. Um, it's a little bit like The Departed if it was like a fun bombastic action movie. Because it's, uh, it's too... too uh, people who are basically demigods uh, in uh, colonial uh, India uh, working at cross purposes. One has come to uh, the city to find a a kidnapped girl who the dastardly governor's wife has uh, purchased uh, as a slave. And so he's come to rescue her. And then against him is the, uh, the Indian man working for the British Raj as a police officer who is uh, hunting this this person. And of course, they meet each other and become fast friends without realizing that they're hunting each other. And it's uh, incredibly fun. It's one of the most fun I've had watching a movie in a long time. Every single fight scene, every single dance number is like far more thrilling than anything that Marvel has ever put to screen. Um, and it has great effects. You might have seen a few gifts from it floating around uh, already online. Um but uh, it's incredibly worth your time. It's very long, so uh, it does have an intermission. So respect the intermission. I would say watch it in a couple sittings. Um, and it also has a little more torture than I think I would like. But like the torture is pitched at the same 
kind of like level of bombast and silliness as the rest of it. Like one of them is a, is a song. One of the torture sequences is, is like, is a diegetic song. Um, so, you know, let that, let, let that, uh, kind of guide you. If you think you can handle a bombastic torture scene that is set to a, a song to rile up the crowd to, to great action, uh, or just like watch the, watch up to the first dance number and see if you like it, because all of that is incredibly fun. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really great. Really fun. RRR, uh, highly suggested. Sweet. Nice. Best time at the movies in a long time. You got time. a recommendation, Jeremy? Uh, yes. I have really been enjoying the Tide Child series by uh, R.J. Barker. Uh, the first book is called uh, The Bone Ships. And it's kind of set in like a, it's like a naval fantasy. So it's it's got all the things you would let you enjoy from like stories about pirates and stories about like, you know, the Navy um, so if you enjoy things like Hornblower or Master and Commander, you'll dig it. But it's also the the fantasy universe that it's set in is both very well realized and reasoned out and also metal as hell uh, because the ships that they're on are all made of the bones of ancient like sea dragons. Um, it's super fun. The action's really good. It's like, yeah, it's like goth heavy metal Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, it's a great time. They're very, very readable. And the trilogy is complete. So you won't be waiting for a new installment of the book. Uh, so yeah, that's Tide Child and the uh, Bone Ships series by R.J. Barker. Cool. I uh, I have not been intaking a whole lot of entertainment lately. Um, there are no good shows that I can recommend, nor are there any good books that I can recommend. So instead, I am going to recommend an activity. Um, I have been spending a lot of time recently doing crafts, so um, I would recommend uh, sculpting with cereal box cardboard. Uh, sculpting with cereal box cardboard is very easy to do because it's really cheap because cereal boxes are part of buying cereal, so if you eat cereal, you're good. Um, and then you can you can take it and you leave it in some water and it gets very malleable and then you can like leave it on like a place to like, you can like mold it to stuff. Or you can like tear it up into little pieces and then squish it all together, and then you let it dry and it and it ends up in cool shapes. So uh, it's a very inexpensive craft. It is great for children and adults alike, and it's recyclable. So please give that a try. <laughs> that is my recommendation. Fine recommendations, all and listener. I recommend that you take it easy until tomorrow's page. Um, Duh. Wait. Wait.